Hello and welcome to Lockdown Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard McDowell, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownWBB. And make sure you're listening to every one of our shows, from Prina Mustafa to Erica Ayala to Amy Audebert. There is always women's basketball goodness coming your way. I have a very special show for you this afternoon. It is heading into the holiday weekend, so I wanted to sort of take a bit of a macro look. And what better way to do it than to talk to Kathy Engelbert? Kathy, of course, the commissioner of the WNBA, was nice enough to answer our questions in the New York media market. She's gone on a tour of all 12 WNBA media markets. It's funny, she's doing it virtually, although she's in market and obviously finding and bridging that gap between access points now and access points will be at is part of the conversation that I asked. Uh, Doug Feinberg of the AP asked as well. But Kathy covered a lot of subjects ahead of what's an unconventional 2021, but then again, what part of Kathy Engelbert's tenure hasn't been unconventional? She's had to navigate a CBA with the players. She's had to navigate a global pandemic you might have heard about. And now we are into an Olympic year that's not an Olympic year, but is an Olympic year. An all-star game that is an all-star game, but isn't an all-star game, but is an all-star game. Media availabilities that are live, but are not live, but are live. It's complicated stuff. There's progress. There's still work to be done. Anyway, Kathy is her usual voluble self. So I'm going to turn it over to the Q&A. Hope you enjoy here on Lockdown Women's Basketball. Recording in progress. All right. Thank you, everyone, for your patience. <coughs> start with Doug Feinberg. rivalries, and if you look at the top of the two Commissioner Cup leaderboards in the Eastern and Western Conference, it's pretty interesting um, that, you know, I think the Ace is Seattle right now, and then uh, Chicago and Connecticut, so, um, you know, it's, again, creating this first half of the season competition uh, and rivalries, and I think that's, that's the purpose of it, and obviously, ultimately, culminating in the Commissioner Cup final coming up with a great with big prize, so we're really excited about that. And then on protocol, so cleaner work is that we posted today on working really hard to start to, as we get to a fully vaccinated league, so we're getting to most fully vaccinated teams, and we're hoping, fingers crossed, by the weekend to, to really there as the big and announcement when we're there, um, 
you know, and, and really the players have done amazing job, our staff have done an amazing job to get there, and then we'll start relaxing protocols. And, you know, Doug, we already did open up some things for media, but we'll open it up even more when we get to this full vaccine status. Great. Next, we have Pepper Kersley. Hi, Kathy. It's great to see you. Thanks for the time today. So, firstly, why should WNBA fans be excited about this year's All-Star Game format? Yeah, Pepper, great question. It's great to see you. Um, the, um, the format is really exciting this year because, as you know, it's an Olympic year, and usually we don't have an All-Star Game in an Olympic year. So we were kind of placed with this, okay, we're having an all I didn't want to go another year without an All-Star Game since we didn't have one last year um, because it, we weren't planning to have one um, because of the um, 2020. So uh, I'm excited for this format. I think it's going to show the depth of the talent and the speed to have the USA national team playing our WNBA All-Stars. They're all WNBA All-Stars. Let me get that straight. But it'll be an interesting format and competition. I think it's just going to show the depth and talent in this movie. Um, it's really going to throw it off. And it's going to be a great moment to uh, celebrate the 1996 uh, gold medal USA women's national team, which started the now going for their seventh consecutive gold medal. So, you know, lot, lots of excitement, uh, I think, and there's going to be a lot of all-stars all around um, in that game. So really, really excited for that format. All right, thank you. And um, how can fans stay engaged in the WNBA this season during the Olympic break? Yeah, it's a great question, you know, that we actually worked hard on in the off-season this year, making sure we could keep our fans engaged. Um, and so, obviously, we continue to uh, market the players, tell their stories during that period. You all are such a critical part of that, and I thank you for everything you did in the off-season coming into a very active free agency period for us in the conversation going on. There's so many of you have so much passion for me and for players and telling their stories. And, you know, it's just at the airport yesterday, I walked in and there we were on the front of Sports Illustrated. So, um, and so I was like, I had seen it digitally, but when you see it in person, I was like, that is pretty cool. So all the attention the league's getting, all the attention the players, the world, we all deserve getting, um, and the brand and lifting the brand. So we will continue to do that. I think with, um, you know, the um, parody in the league this year, it's anybody's game coming off that Olympic break. And obviously, the Fisher Cup final will do a lot of marketing during the Olympic break around that. And obviously, we're going to have more than just 12 USAB women's national team players in the Olympics. We'll have several other players for, for Australia and Belgium and France and Germany and Nigeria and others. So, I mean, it's going to be, you know, uh, we're going to be able to be, you know, at least talking about WNBA players in the Olympic break as well. All right. Thank you so much. Hi, Kathy. Good to chat with you as always. Um, I'd love to follow up on Doug's question a little bit if I could. Um, you know, we're seeing in other leagues a significant amount of player media interaction. Uh, Major League Baseball allows a pregame. The NFL recently announced uh, that locker rooms are going to be open. Um, so I understand, you know, you, you mentioned vaccinating the players, but what is the reasoning for vaccinated media not to have access to be able to talk to players, especially at a time where we're seeing players in the WNBA have interactions on a regular basis with fans. Yeah, so first we're an indoor sport. Those two you named are outdoor sports. So we're just trying to make sure that we're comfortable that as we get to a fully vaccinated league that we will open it up. Certainly after the Olympic break, if everything continues to go well, Howard, we're absolutely going to open up media access. What we're trying to do, you can now book one-on-one. We've already put out 
very many some steps, maybe you call them baby steps, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, we just want to make sure with running into the Olympic break that we're not exposing any of the things of which we have any um, to anything. So, you know, because, you know, even if you're fully vaccinated, you can still be exposed to the virus. Uh, you know, good news is the, the vaccines can be very effective against some of these variants, which is very highly infectious. So, again, we're, we're probably being a little conservative here last couple of but you'll see us opening up from the access, fan access, as we get to, certainly as we get off the Olympic race. Just be a little more patient, but, you know, I, I hear you, and we're working it. So just to be clear, it's your expectation that barring any sort of change, access should return to pre-pandemic uh, levels following the Olympic break? So I don't know if there's anything um, called return to pre-pandemic or return to normal. I think it's a new normal, so we'll figure out all the protocols for the new normal. Because even our players who will be traveling internationally coming back will still have protocols. We're not going to lift everything and go back to totally normal. But what I'm saying is you'll have a lot more access um, once we come up with a little bit break, assuming everything goes well, and there's no spikes or other variants, that the vaccine is not so ineffective as against. But, you know. Barring all of that, we'll open it up. I don't think anything's ever going to be back exactly as it was pre-pandemic in any walk of life or any business. And I talked to a lot of business leaders in my travels, and, you know, they're all talking about the new normal, not returning to the exact normal pandemic. So we'll probably be in the same place, but it'll be it'll be more familiar to you as we can I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for that. Thank you, Commissioner, for your time. Uh, Erica, you're muted. (coughs) Sorry about that. Hello, Commissioners. My apologies for, you think I would have this down by now, but um, anyway, I wanted to um, go off of something that Pepper asked you about the All-Star Game. I wonder what conversations the WNBA and USA Basketball have had about to be blunt, how competitive this will be. Traditionally, all-star games are more fun, but this is a lead-up to an Olympics. And uh, I wonder what the expectation is from both sides regarding the competition itself. Yeah, I think, Erica, a great question because, you know, as we thought about how we would do the format, knowing that, you know, think about a pre, in 2019, um, the USAB pool was at least playing those those lead-up games at um, major universities programs, you know, Stanford and Utah and Oregon and, and Louisville and others. And so they were playing all those games you think about, and that was kind of their lead-up training into then or the WNBA and then we are going to break for the Olympic break. And all of that obviously came to a crashing halt because of COVID last March. So this is an opportunity for the USAB to play together, to train together between the end of our videos into that all-star game. It's only two days, but those two days matter, and then they'll continue in Vegas, as they announced, with some more training before they head off to Tokyo. So, I mean, I think it's great that we're placing our all-star game right in the middle of that week so that they can they can train together and they can, you know, build some camaraderie together and, and, and chemistry. And then I think our 12 all-stars that are being right now elected by you and fans and and um, players themselves, it's going to be really exciting to, to see how um, that plays out and, and the matchups, um, and then it's going to be an even of that well, which I suspect many of them will be in different countries in the U.S., and, and hopefully lots of folks in the U.S. too. That, but, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be very competitive this year, very, very competitive, because everybody's training for their, their buying for the gold medal, um, whether you're on the U.S. team or Australia or any other team that, that's going to be 
Brian for that, that whole internship deal. Thank you for that, Commissioner. Also wanted to ask you, we saw that the NBA made some accommodations to your point, um, post-COVID, nothing will be the same, and, they, and they've extended a little bit of that now into this season uh, regarding roster sizes. So not expansion by the way of adding more teams, but expanding active rosters. Obviously, the WNBA doesn't have the luxury of a two-way player in the sense that the NBA does. But I wonder, Commissioner, if the <laughs> team have given thought to maybe expanding roster sizes, especially given that Olympic years, what's happening in EuroCup, EuroBasket, and then, of course, just injuries are always going to be something that the WNBA is going to have to deal with, regardless of the worldwide pandemic. Yeah, roster expansion is always something we're looking at, especially, you know, as you look at our 12 teams, 144 players, you look at our salary cap that was negotiated as part of the collective bargaining agreement, and, you know, the depth and breadth of this league is outstanding. There are players who got waived, and there's players who come up on courtship contracts. You know, I think our 3x3 players longer term um, playing in the league, you know, kind of for us, hopefully, um, but obviously that's why we have the hardship rules, um, but, you know, in case of injury and things like that where rosters get uh, lower. Last year was even harder because we were bubble and everyone had quarantine seven days coming in. This year it's a little easier if you're fully back. It's a quick return into the team. So um, so we're working it. We're always looking at it. But, you know, for now with our 12 teams, 12 players, the team seems to be right. But, you know, and that's why we opened it up for the, up the hardship contracts that signed this year. I'm expected to going in.